John Deere made a splash with its autonomous reveal a few weeks ago, but they aren't the only company with technology already in fields this year. How are farmers adapting to a driverless future? That's today on Field Posts. DTM Progressive Farmer podcast that dives deeper into the most important trends in agriculture to explore the business's cutting edge. I'm your host, Sarah Mock. As farmers look to a future determined more by changing climates and limited resources than anything, technology and the companies that create it promise to help progressive producers stay ahead of the curve. This week, in the first part of our two-part technology deep dive, we'll hear from Progressive Farmer Crops Editor Matt Wildey. He'll give us the download on autonomous equipment that is, after years of hype, making its way into fields in a big way. We'll hear about how farmers and their neighbors are reacting to tractors without drivers, how operators are adapting to take advantage of the changes, and what might be ahead in the coming years. Then we'll dig into the latest moves in the precision tillage space from John Deere and Case IH and hear about a very special story hopping out of an Iowa dairy, right after this word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by MyDTN. In today's environment, it's essential, more than ever, to get the most current and accurate information to help save your valuable resources and continue to be profitable. Get access to all the information you need to deal with this change from DTN. As the leading independent, trusted source of actionable insights and market information, MyDTN gives you accurate weather forecasts, the most extensive database of grain bids, and the most timely news and analysis from our award-winning news team. These features and more are available 24-7 via desktop, laptop, and any mobile device to be with you on the go. Learn more at mydtn.com and start a free 14-day trial. Now, back to the show. Progressive Farmer Crops Editor Matt Wildey joins us today to discuss the latest developments in the ag tech space for farmers. Matt, You did a big story for the February issue about autonomous, and I think we've been talking about autonomous tractors for a long time, but we're finally actually starting to see farmers start using this equipment in the field. Talk to us about just where the issue of autonomous adoption is right now. Oh, absolutely, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Yes, autonomous agriculture is is certainly a growing trend within agriculture, I believe. And and farmers, most farmers are pretty excited about it. Now, not every not everyone's going to be an adopter by any means, but most farmers are very curious about it, and they many farmers see it as a way to help solve some labor problems they may have on, on farms, as, as far as finding uh, somebody to run a grain cart or help with tillage in the fall and just anything when it comes to row crop operations. Still, yes, it's hard to find. Not having to have someone behind the wheel of during if you need a field tilled or planted can certainly be a big advantage for farmers. So that's where this is coming from, just to, yeah, really to help farmers mitigate those issues dealing with with labor and become more efficient in the process. Um, 
I'm curious too, on the company side, we saw in 2015, Case IH came out with a, a driverless tractor that didn't have a cab. John Deere made a big splash earlier this year with their technology that just goes in a standard piece of equipment. But you actually wrote about a, a, a new company that's also doing something different. Talk to us about what the options are out there for farmers right now. Absolutely. Autonomy isn't in every field by any means. And like I said, it is a growing trend. There are some farmers using AutoCart, which use a driverless tractor to, to run grain cart back and forth from the combine. And Raven Technologies has that to, the, um, to a semi. So yes, it is being used on farms already, uh, not in a great uh, number of instances by any means but it is slowly picking up and slowly growing. And I believe it's only going to get more and more as, as time goes and as the technology advances. Now, Sarah, what you're talking about, yes, there is a company called Sabanto Ag out of Chicago, and they are described as a robotics farming company, or another description is a farming as a service uh, company. And they use autonomous, their autonomous technology. They have that technology equipped on, right now they have four 60 horsepower Kubotas and four 90 horsepower Kubota tractors. And that doesn't seem like, oh, well, that those are pretty small tractors. Yes, that is true when it comes to the big four wheel drives and front wheel assist tractors that many row crop farmers use today. They are uh, fairly small as far as the power goes, just very simple and nice tractors. However, when a tractor can run 24 hours a day and it gives the uh, the technology doesn't need a break, you can basically do just as much or more work with a, a small autonomous tractor than you can with one large manned tractor. So having four of these working in the field together compared to one large one, 24 hours a day, you can do a lot of work. Plus the, the cost of these tractors are a fraction of what it would cost for a 200 plus horsepower large row crop tractor. So basically what Sabanto has been doing, they started in, in they started offering autonomous custom farming services to farmers in 2019. And so they have their uh, fleet of Kubotas and it started out just doing a few hundred acres here because any everything has to ramp up. So they were planting autonomously and doing some tillage autonomously. And then slowly things got rolling. Their, the technology became more perfected and they started growing. And now it's they're, they are hiring these this equipment out and they're doing thousands of acres and whole farms. They're a custom farming operation right now just use, and using autonomous equipment. So they have, they've been hired to do a thousand acre, I believe it was a thousand acre organic farm, a uh, whole 750 acre conventional farm. And the only thing they're not doing is harvesting autonomously. They ha That has to be hired out, but everything else is done autonomously. So pretty fascinating. So that company, they have more business right now than they can even handle. And Craig Rupp, the CEO, founder, can't be more pleased with that. And it is growing uh, by leaps and bounds. And what's very interesting, this company is now continually innovating, continually expanding. And so Sabanto is now, this last year, getting into where they will, they're working on installing their autonomous equipment in a tractor that a farmer owns. So in other words, the farmer will rent 
their technology. They'll install it. They'll train you. They'll train the farmer or their farm employees. And by using a smartphone, they can control the tractor and what it's doing. And that story, again, was a part, part of the February technology issue in the progressive farmer. So, yeah, very interesting concept, what uh, what Craig Rupp and his company are doing. The first person to do that, to work with him, was uh, a gentleman named Dave Giles. He farms in northern Illinois by the Wisconsin border. He's a fairly large row crop farmer, well over uh, excess of 10,000 acres in northern Illinois and into in Wisconsin. And he... And I want during my interview with Craig and Dave, they outfitted Dave's uh, one of Dave's Challenger tractors. It's a 160 horsepower tractor without autonomous technology, and they were autonomously tilling this last fall and got the bugs worked out. So they by the end of the season, they were tilling fields without any assistance with Sabanto on their own without without somebody in the seat. It was pretty fascinating to watch actually. Funny story with that. I asked what's that like for uh, for Dave to uh just see what his own tractor working on its own and he said, "Yeah, really, he's embracing autonomous technology to help him meet his goals of being more sustainable." a more sustainable and efficient future for his farm just because of how hard it is to get employees at times. And then Craig joked, he said, yeah, at least you didn't get the cops called on us either this time. And I'm like, what? And Craig goes, yeah, we've had in three separate occasions, passersby would see tractors just running in the field with no, no, no drivers. And, and they would call the police because they thought something was wrong. Like the uh, farmer fell off or got had a heart attack who knows just fell off and the tractor just running on its own but no no uh police would come out and they'd see somebody with a smartphone or their computer or a laptop and then they'd quickly figure out that no this is actually what it's supposed to be doing so that they believe in 2022 this year they will ramp up installations dave was the initial if you want to call it guinea pig but uh, the initial <laughs> customer here and they got that worked out and now they're use that model to help ramp up installing this technology and other farmers and they have to they'll have to figure out a fee what that's going to a yearly or annual fee to have that technology in their tractor and and so forth but again and and craig said it'll be very reasonable of course that can be subjective but uh, but with their custom farming rates they base that off of iowa state university extension custom farming rate survey when they custom farm autonomously so it'll probably be pretty similar to that i imagine and they'll just then they'll figure it out yeah, that is such a fascinating story in so many different ways. I'm curious, having been there and, and seeing this in action, talk to us a little bit about how this technology is controlled by the farmer. Obviously very different than being in the cab and steering yourself. Is it an app on a phone? Is it a on your computer monitor? How does this work? Well, it could be either, really. It could be there. When I was at the farm, they were using, and I, there were Sabanto employees there to show me what was going on. And one of their engineers was was monitoring the tractor with his smartphone. So that is one way, you know, to monitor and execute a, a plan for the tractor is on the smartphone or laptop, tablet, whatever piece of technology you want to use, it certainly can be done. Um, so if there's, let's say, a 160-acre field, and it has to be ba basically that's mapped with GPS coordinates, farmers already basically do that with 
the precision ag they're doing right now. So the field's mapped with the GPS coordinates around, and uh, and you basically upload on their software a path plan for that tractor. And uh, you set the settings, if it's tillage, when the equipment's going to engage the ground, when it's not, it turns at the, head, at the end rows, it'll automatically lift the implement, make its turn and engage the equipment to the ground again and go. And it, it'll follow that exact plan that you or that uh, that farmer or uploaded into the computer. And quite honestly, what Dave says, he was a little intimidated at first. It's, oh, how difficult is this? Can I do this? And he, and he said, really, for all the technology that's already in a tractor and what we do with Precision Ag right now, he said it really wasn't that difficult to pick up for him and his employee who's going to be doing this. And they'll continue with this, it certainly sounds like. So yeah, it was a fairly seamless thing to do, he said. And again, Sabanto will, that's part of the service is training the farmer and or employee to do all this. Yeah, he was happy with it. He said they the, the more it was more of learning the quirks of the tractor. Mm-hmm. of the challenger and every tractor they said is going to have its little intricacies and quirks that's but it's nothing that can be overcome it wasn't the technology that it was that they had to kind of solve some few issues they had to solve it was more dealing with the tractor it, itself i'm curious using that as a, a springboard talk to us a little bit about when you talk to this farmer or other farmers you talk to about this you know the autonomous adoption and and kind of the realization of these concepts what are they worried about? Are there limitations to the technology? Are there anything that they have big concerns about? Initially, it was they thought, well, safety. What if something goes wrong and the tractor just goes haywire and it just continues onto a road or into a creek or a river? It misses something and, and you're all of a sudden tearing up long-term conservation land and so forth. But there are safety measures fit, built in with the, it's an automatic shutoffs and the radar uses some... Um, I believe that this one was like LIDAR, like sensing technology around to know exactly where it is and they using the GPS signal. And if the GPS signal's lost, it just halts. So it waits till a signal's acquired. So yeah, definitely a lot of safety measures already built in. That wasn't a, a concern. And it's just like a, his one of a, a challenge, like Dave said, was worried about before is just, can I actually do it as a farmer? And my employees... And once they went through um, the training and started getting some hands-on experience with it, they quickly realized, yes, this is definitely doable. This is attainable. And this is something we, we can adopt and use in the future. Now, will it be totally every single tractor autonomous? No. I Dave said, no, this is just going to help them do some work like he can see it helping in the future to be able to plant more efficiently or quicker because those planting windows can be very tight. Using that tractor or maybe outfitting one other one to help plant soybeans or seed soybeans when somebody else runs the corn planter where you need to be maybe a little more eyes in the field because uh, corn planting can be a little more tricky at times or just need to, the slightest thing if something goes wrong and corn can really have a devastating effect on yields where soybeans are more forgiving than corn if something would happen if there was a blockage of the corn of soybeans then to skip a uh, few seeds or dump too many seeds in one area if, if it was a air seeder or something who knows but uh, soybeans are just more forgiving so he sees it as somebody simultaneous planting one with a person one without a person and that would help get seeds in the ground like soy quicker 
faster emergence, uh, more timely planting for if there's weather issues coming or weather uh, bad weather coming, and just that could be a, a yield boost in the long, long run, he thinks. So having one or two tractors outfitted would could certainly be a boon for his farm, Giles believes. Other than that, the cost, he's not too worried about the cost because, again, he believes that Sabanto will price it at a point where it's a, it's certainly can affordable for farmers. And he's not actually, it's basically leasing the technology in his, in his tractor. And then when he's done, he can just say, come get it. If he decides, nope, I'm done with it, he can just, they can just say, come get it. And he still has his tractor. So... Interesting. Yeah. I think just one other question that brings to mind is, are is there any concern about being able to access your original equipment's kind of service and maintenance support if you, if farmers are using some of this autonomous technology, any of that concern about companies working together, basically? As far as servicing, Sabanto would service its, its own, its technology that's in, in the tractor. And then <clears throat> But it wouldn't have any effect on impact on uh, the tractor itself. So, like the tractor's main computer system, or because it's their Sabancha is just kind of hooked into it, and it wouldn't damage that at all. So, uh, there shouldn't be any warranty worries along that line. Like the engine drivetrain, it shouldn't be any worries there because then the company, whatever OEM tractor it is if it's under warranty they should that shouldn't be an issue that should be taken care of farmers should be able to if it's a little p- older piece of equipment that they're servicing on their own to be should be able to do it as for mechanic for the mechanical servicing so no dave the farmer dave giles was not concerned uh about that at all okay just one last question before we switch gears and talk a little bit about tillage is it sounds like the future from here the next couple of years will just be massive rollout you mentioned that there's way more people interested in autonomous then can actually like get a hold of it. So as you look to the the rest of 2022 and into the next couple of years, what do you think autonomous, the like autonomous news will be? Certainly for, for Sabanto, it'll be, it'll be, can they supply or can they handle the demand for their technology? Right now, Craig Rupp, the CEO of Sabanto said he gets, he's get calls every day and he's turning down work right now, whether it's custom farming work with his fleet of Kubotas, and now farmers are learning about the soon-to-be insulation in tractors. And he said, we're not quite at that, at least at that time, they weren't quite at the stage yet when the story came out. They'll be going to farms and, and doing this. But yeah, he believes his company will be inundated with work and there'll be no issues with just, we don't have anything to do today. <laughs> there'll always be something on the docket scheduled, some work, because even though these are, the tractors are running autonomously, people are still needed to, to fill, to fill planters if it's planting, to, to gas up machines if they're running 24 hours a day and so forth. So people are, will still be needed, just maybe not as many of them to do the same amount of work in a field. And that's what autonomy is all about is just, yeah, making things, supposedly making things a little more efficient, solving some, and helping mitigate some of the issues with uh, finding labor. But yeah, I think uh, certainly in the future, uh, more people will continue ado- adopting the, uh, like the auto grain cart technology from, from Raven. Like you said, John Deere has that now autonomous tractor that's out that an 8,000 series tractor that's just geared toward tillage right now. 
I certainly see that they're starting small. They're starting with tillage. It's fairly, if there's a, compared to planting, it's a simple, it's a pretty simple field operation. Start, start small, start with that. And then that will grow too. Just with Sabanto, they started out with just planting with four row planters. Now they're six row. It just, everything takes time to, to, to ramp up and we'll, There'll be within a couple of years, there'll be times when where this is still right now, it is a novelty to see a tractor out without a, without somebody in the cab driving or without somebody uh, behind the wheel. But in a few years, I think people will be where right now they're like, oh, in shock to see it. Passersby in a few years will say, oh, OK. <laughs> It, it won't be a surprise to see that anymore. It'll be more, a lot more commonplace. Yeah, fewer calls to the the local sheriff's department for sure. I would, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about prescription tillage. You came, did a, a little bit of an update on a report we talked previously on the podcast about it. What are you following in terms of new tech or new adoption or the updates on that story here at the beginning of the 2022 season? Absolutely. Yeah, prescription tillage certainly continues to grow in uh, in popularity as well among farmers. Tillage isn't, not everybody does tillage by any means, and and, that, and that's, that's whatever is best for their operation, that's good. But with prescription tillage, again, the main driver behind that is to be able to, to perform a task and to have the best of both worlds between wh- whether it's uh, no-till, minimum till, and, and deep tillage to uh, eliminate compaction, size up residue, bury some residue to help with decomposition, to dry maybe some field farmers believe it'll help dry the field out quicker, have that better, more uniform seed bed. Whatever the case is, uh, it, prescription, you know, having a prescription when you're, till, when you're tilling, can it can do that and it'll do it automatically. So one part of the field, you might, they might say, okay, this is a highly erodible part of the field worth a hill and, and we need a lot more residue. So the, you, so you, the prescription is written that it'll, if you have a field cultivator, it will lift up the machine and it won't engage at all in that, that area. It'd be a no-till area. And then another part of the field, there's usually some compaction issues. Just if you had a ripper on, it could uh, it can adjust deeper or not as deep and in areas to uh, to address it, possible issues. And that way too, you deeper it is, the, more, the slower you might go and the more power it takes. The shallower an implement is, obviously the less power faster you can go. So you can uh, increase your fuel efficiency and your uh, efficiency covering ground as well. So yeah, definitely a growing trend within the industry. And uh, since our last talk about prescriptive tillage, one of the big things that John Deere has done, because they were the ones that kind of started this, uh, the first OEM to have prescription tillage as an offering. The big new thing is they're offering it as a standard package on their equipment. So the option, so farmers can till prescriptively if they want with their newer tillage tools. As as far as Case IH, those are the two companies that are really at the forefront of this. Case IH, there isn't really any new tech or new equipment, but they're still doing a lot more testing. And that's the big thing. They have some more data to back up what they, what they say is the benefits 
of prescription tillage to show farmers, hey, if you utilize this, this can happen. I'm curious how two things come to mind. One, the issues in the fertilizer space right now, the, the costs going into this season, and then also just the, the interest, I think, across the industry and in potentially doing more climate smart farming practices um, to maybe either get a premium in the marketplace or qualify for some federal programs. How is that playing into decisions that farmers are making around potentially adopting or changing or rethinking their tillage technology? That is a a part that I think will certainly be a factor of in, in the future for sure. Now, obviously tillage you, if you till the ground, you can release carbon and uh, where no-till, there are carbon programs out there that no-till is a big part of for sequestering more carbon in the ground when you're not disturbing that ground. So prescription tillage, I'm sure could, there's a good chance that could be a part of this because of just the fact that, yeah, you're tilling or, or you're disturbing the ground in areas where the farmer believes it needs to be done to be more efficient, grow a bread crop, and you're not disturbing the ground where it needs to be left alone or very lightly to preserve that carbon sequestration. So there's options where you, in, with prescription tillage, where the implement comes totally out of the ground, so nothing's touched, or they said they can set it where, let's say if residue sizing is an issue, and they need to do that in, in certain areas, but it's still a highly, but uh, but the ground is erodible and they're concerned about wind or, or water erosion. They can lift that tillage implement in those specific parts of the field where it's not in digging into the ground, but just on the surface where it's just chewing. The discs are just chewing the and sizing up maybe that corn residue without disturbing the ground itself. So uh, I definitely, I think that could be a part of carbon programs going forward. I wanted to ask you a last question about other stories that you might be looking at right now and things that are interesting you that you'll be watching going forward. Any fun stories you're working on at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. One absolute great story I'm working on. It's going to be a lot of fun to write. It should be out on DTNBF.com very soon and in the magazine, in the Progressive Farmer magazine as well. It's uh, tentatively called Muru. It's about a Iowa dairy farm that has seven kangaroos on the farm. Uh, The farm is Hanson's Dairy in uh, Hudson, Iowa. And they have kangaroos, not only for pets, but the kangaroos are an intricate part of the farm, their marketing plan, and their agritourism plan. So the cows are their bread and butter, if you call call it that, but the kangaroos are the main attractions. They're the showstoppers. They draw people in. How many people would think a kangaroo would be on an Iowa dairy farm? And it is a ball watching these uh, kangaroos. So, so the kangaroos on their logo, people, they've actually been asked before, is, is this kangaroo milk? Uh, no, this is, <laughs> don't come from Holst- the milk come from Holsteins. They're just our mascot. What's a kangaroo have to do with da- dairy products? Nothing. But just like what's Tony the Tiger have to do with, with cereal, like a tiger, nothing. And it's just fun. And it's a, a interesting, eye-catching logo. And it has and they have helped grow the brand where this farm went decided to sell its own instead of bulk milk 
process its own milk so more family members could join the uh, operation as they wanted to. And it, it's worked out for the best. And uh, Jordan and Blake Hansen in particular are the kangaroo caretakers. Blake, his, that's his, one of his favorite animals in the world. And, and they take care of them and uh, help acclimate the uh, kangaroos with pe- the people. And they're so tame. They're so cool. They bring the babies into their home and they take care of them for several months after they leave the, their mother's pouch. And they become part of the family, little babies. They're wearing diapers. They're being bottle fed. Uh, the kids help take care of them. And it's just a great, cute story. To learn more about the research that Matt teased here that's coming out of Case IH about the benefits of prescription tillage, and to learn more about all things ag technology, check out Matt's full reporting at dtnpf.com or in the monthly DTN Progressive Farmer magazine. And check back next week for part two of our technology update here on Field Posts. This episode of Field Posts was brought to you by the team at DTN Progressive Farmer, with special thanks to Matt Wildey. This episode was produced and edited by me, Sarah Mock, with support by Greg Hillier and Kylie Swanson. And a big thanks to all of you for listening. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until then, remember, the future of farming is here. Are you looking to get more accurate, hyper-local weather information? By gathering weather and agronomic data directly from your own fields, DTN Ag Weather Station supports you when making targeted decisions around expensive or high-risk activities like chemical applications and irrigation. DTN's Ag Weather Station can be purchased for as low as $9 a month depending on your current customer status with DTN. If you're looking to increase your weather accuracy while saving time, please visit DTN.com.